Mike Tomlin a question about anything at all that comes from outside team headquarters. And he's going to cringe and shoot you down faster than you can find punctuation for it. Not this time. Not this time. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates. Right where you found this. Tomlin's press conference yesterday had quite a few highlights. But to my mind, nothing stood out quite like when he was asked his reaction to a handful of former Steelers speaking up about the team's lack of physicality, lack of identity, particularly as it related to that fiasco in Cincinnati. They would know, you know. Um, They know the things that we value. I don't know specifically what you're talking about, um, but guys that have been here, um, guys that have been in that room, guys that understand the standards, uh, that we aspire to, um, they probably have a better understanding of that than anybody that's not uh, in that room right now. And so I would imagine whatever it is you're referring to, I agree with them. Oh, my. He just blanketly agrees with them. Presumably doesn't even know what they said and just says, yeah, whatever it was, if it was bad, I'm with them. Because those guys would know. Those guys would get it. And those guys, they might lose a game in Cincinnati. They might even get beaten by a lopsided score. But they'd never perform that softly. They'd never get pushed around the way those Steelers did in the 41-10 loss to the Bengals. I'm racking my brain here over the last couple days trying to recall any similar situation with the Steelers, the Penguins, or the Pirates where there were just so many former players, former coaches, people who tied to the franchise, who feel like they're tied to the franchise forever, and rightly so, voicing such strong opinions, expressing profound disappointment that something they feel they've helped to either build up, like the teams in the 1970s did, or carry on, like the teams, eh, we can skip the 80s, but the 90s and into the 2000s did. A lot went into that, and a lot of it was rooted in franchise legacy. The things that they talked about before games, the things that they talked about in warm-ups when pumping themselves up, were related in to the black and gold and the city in which they were playing and those people who made this happen before them. The lineage. Listen, listen again to Troy Polamalu in Canton this summer. This is our culture, Steeler culture. These virtues I learned while playing for the Steelers are what make the legacy of the black and gold timeless. 
They are passed down in the locker room from the steel curtain to anyone who valiantly wears the black or gold. Creating a brotherhood that is deeper than money, business, and winning. To be a Steeler is to consider others before you consider yourself. To protect your brother, even from himself. To give support at your own expense. And when wearing a black or gold suit of armor, make sure nobody desecrates it, disrespects it. Most importantly, we ourselves don't dishonor it. The only approval any Steeler should seek is to earn the approval from previous legends who have donned the black and gold. And if you've really earned their respect, they'll say, you could have played with us. That right there, my friends, in addition to being retweeted on Twitter by Super Bowl champion Bryant McFadden, by Super Bowl champion Ike Taylor, should be mandatory viewing at Steelers HQ on South Water Street on the south side all week long, and I'm talking about clockwork orange style, where they have their eyelids pried open with monstrous paper clips, forcing them to take in every frame, every word of what Troy spoke. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. How do you do that? And maybe more pertinent, at what cost? Because, as I've been saying, both in Cincinnati and since coming home, there isn't a whole lot there. You know, the options are extremely limited for Tomlin. I'm not letting him off the hook with that. He and Kevin Colbert were the ones that put this roster together. I'm just saying that right now, in this week, leading up to facing, of all teams, the Ravens. Sunday at 4.25 p.m. at Heinz Field. They they don't have any bodies. They don't have capable people. So what do you do? You say, listen, Devin Bush isn't trying very hard. We might understand why, but we can't afford to have that out there. And if the players and Tomlin had all of the frank and honest and open discussions that Tomlin said that they did on Monday, then I've got no doubt that somebody would have had the stones in that room to say, hey, 55's killing us in some capacity or other. 55 right now, listen, dude, with all due respect to your knee recovery and everything else, you're killing us. You are killing us. You need to sit. We need to put some bite back on the field. But you do it at what cost? You know, what if you put uh, Marcus Allen? I'm just going to throw this out there. This isn't going to happen, okay? But just trying to lay out what kind of options they've got. You put Marcus Allen out there. Marcus Allen is a really, really popular teammate. His fellow linebackers, his fellow defensive guys, all love him. Just love love him. 
if you put him out there, you know you're going to get a bulldog. You know you're going to get someone who's going to at least be trying to fly to the football. You're also going to get someone who's not an NFL starter. And you're also going to get someone who hasn't spent a whole lot of time, wait, actually zero time, on the field in anger with the main defense. So what are you proving? You're putting someone out there who might try harder or get you more energy, but won't make the plays, in which case it'll be a whole lot of wasted energy. Think Henry Mondo, okay? Love Henry. The guy's uh, someone you cheer for into infinity. Can't make a play. Can't make a play. Is nowhere near the ball because he doesn't know what he's doing. So what do you do? What do you do? You can replace a guy here or there. You can claim someone off somebody else's practice squad the way the Steelers just did with some dude whose name I've already forgotten from the Saints practice squad. You can do a little bit of that. But ultimately, you're either going to find out if they respond to what they've had to hear from the outside, and I'm sure from the inside over these last 72 hours, or if they're just going to lie down like dogs again. Tomlin, well, he threw at least one hint about what to expect in this regard when he was asked yesterday what his approach will be under these unusual circumstances. We'll see on Sunday, won't we? You know, like I mentioned earlier, it's put up and shut up time. And so, you know, talking to get it done, I can, I can quell you in that question with an answer, um, but it's not real. What, what we do in that stadium on Sunday is what's real. And so we're not seeking comfort. We're not trying to, you know, quell the masses, if you will. Um, you know, we stunk it up, and so we're going we're gonna to wallow in our stench for a while and wait for our next opportunity to play football. I do expect that the Steelers will come out playing a lot harder, if only because they couldn't play a lot softer than they did in Cincinnati. I expect that the combination of the embarrassment at Paul Brown Stadium with being at home in Heinz Field, with facing the Ravens, with everything that these guys will have had to endure in terms of criticism, I suspect they're going to try, try a lot harder. But my goodness, listen to the conversation you and I are having today. Listen to this. What are we talking about here? What are we even talking about? When we come back, just one question. summer do you think they have any plans to offer him an extension this coming off season I believe Nate that the Steelers will be open to that the Steelers have 
no other real solutions in-house at safety. You can hope for Trey Norwood and you can project into the next draft, but I wouldn't want to be spending uh, that kind of capital on that position for what you would need to get a starting safety. I also wouldn't want to be going out into free agency for it. I, I'm going to say something that's going to be robustly unpopular with probably about half the people listening to this, and the other half will agree. But there's a real extreme when it comes to how people feel about T.E. I view him for exactly what he is. He's a safety who's most effective when he's closer to the line of scrimmage, wrapping and tackling. He's a thin linebacker, if you want to put it that way. And he's actually pretty good at it. He'll get highlighted and uh, underscored whenever he misses one, just like they all do. And everyone in the secondary has had to attempt way too many tackles this year because of the state of the defensive line and the inside linebackers. That's not the secondary's fault. These guys, other than T.E., aren't really there for that. He is. And when you talk to people inside the game, including people inside the team, they'll tell you that he's actually playing very well. So why is it that he's polarizing? Why is it that so many look down on him the way they do? My suspicion is that he's a safety, and as a result, everyone expects to see interceptions, and everyone expects to see no deep balls completed ever. Well, (laughs) that's not how it works with this defense. This defense, from the moment Minka Fitzpatrick was acquired, was set up so that Minka could move around, roam free, find the football the way he finally did Sunday in Cincinnati, probably the one good thing that happened the entire day. And Terrell has been a terrific complement within that scheme. You don't get 38 takeaways in the 2019 season with your safety not doing his job, both safeties. You don't put together 28 the following season. Same way. He's been a significant component to this, even if it's understated, both in terms of its visibility and in terms of how much people discuss something that he does well. He's not out there for splash. He knows that. He and I have talked about this specific subject a lot over the years, and it took him a while to accept that because he knows people are expecting splash from a first-rounder. They're expecting picks and pass defense. That's not the way he's being utilized. It's just not. He's the fail-safe, the guy that's covering more toward the line of scrimmage than anything back to where you'd expect a normal safety to be. My belief is that if the Steelers 
don't change management slash coaching and talk about phrases you wouldn't expect to be using at this point of the season. But, hey, if the same people are in charge, I do think you're going to see an attempt made to keep him. I don't know that it'll be a massive one, but I do think you'll see an attempt. This is a good football player. Good football player. And on that note, since I just ticked off half of you, <laughs> let's do this again.